Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. He's back. We got Kenneth Shrupp on the show again, contributor Young Voices. Very impressive resume. Make sure you check it out when you get an opportunity. Kenneth, good to have you back on the show. How are you? Thank you. It's a pleasure to be back on. All right, we're going to chop it up about student loan debt relief, how we pay for education overall, and maybe some interplay with the Biden administration and maybe other administrations and how they have tried to tackle this issue. I don't want to presume what you know or believe about this topic, so I will give you an opportunity to express yourself. Of course. Uh, well, the great problem that we have now is that tuition has been rising eight times faster than wages, which means that people of all kinds cannot afford to go to school anymore and must rack up billions of dollars of debt. In fact, students now hold $1.5 trillion in consumer debt that can never be discharged. Um, but this debt isn't held equally. The wealthiest 40% of Americans hold 58% of all student loans, with 56% of all that debt held by people who are getting post bachelor's degrees, those prestigious, big pay degrees that really pay off in the long run. So when we look at the fact that 54% of American adults don't have any college degrees, it suddenly seems very unfair that those Americans who don't have the same access to college are the ones who would pay for the debt of everyone else. Now, having said that, if we're looking at student debt relief, we really need to be exploring why college has gotten so expensive in the first place. And that really is the result of the guaranteed student loan programs that have created unlimited demand for mediocre and substandard degrees that leave people in debt and, have, and schools have no ability to have any correlation between how well their students do and how much money they get from the government. Okay. Um, I agree with some of that. So let me push back on some of your numbers. 54% of Americans do not have college degrees, you are correct. However, the, the vast majority of Americans actually have some college. Uh, and the, uh, the some college still equates to debt, uh, even if you did not obtain a degree. Uh, training programs are included into that scenario as well. Uh, so let's talk about solutions. Because I understand your point of view, you're right, all education is not equal. It never will be. You will not have equity in education curriculum. You will not have a uniformity in that aspect. What you're looking for is quality. You're always looking for quality. I'm a college professor. I think every student who takes my class, no matter what school I teach in, they will get a quality education. And I intentionally teach in institutions that are affordable, okay? I stay away from being hired in institutions that cost too much damn money. And that's just the way I live my life. Now, is it a quality education? That's the question, right? Now, with those degrees, some people choose to go into degree fields where you need a master's degree in order to really be employable in that particular field. For example, if you get an undergraduate degree in psychology and you wanna be a psychologist, you have to get a graduate degree in order to work in that field full time. So people know it going into it. Let's talk about student loan forgiveness. Now, do you really think student loan forgiveness is a bad idea in the United States of America? Or is there a level of nuance to the notion of student loan debt forgiveness? So I have an interesting plan for you. Okay. Um, if we look at uh, the endowment returns that elite, elite institutions, really all institutions are having, we're looking at 30% returns on multi-billion dollar endowments and it's all tax free. And that money isn't going towards 
that money could easily be used to pay off students' debt. You could most to, most students could be tuition free if these schools were forced to actually use that money for their students. Um, I envision a future where the federal government is no longer the one issuing student debt. Rather, it's the institutions that issue student loans um, or even offer repayment and relief by using their enormous tax-free endowments. Or Let me tell you the waste. problem with that. Let okay. me tell you the problem with that. Um, there's a top 1% issue again. You know who has massive endowment? Harvard, Yale, Princeton. As a matter of fact, they have so much endowment, their interest basically takes care of the operational cost of the institution. And you're right, it's tax free. That's the benefit of having an endowment. And people want to be connected to legacy items. Here's the problem with, with your solution. It's not tailor made to the reality and the context of institutions that don't have large endowments. For example, HBCUs do not typically have large endowments. They have a little money, but not the kind of money that some of these PWIs have, predominantly white institutions. And if you created a policy that does not have a variable for HBCUs or even minority serving institutions, then you would dry them up immediately because now you're putting a burden, a financial burden upon an institution that cannot carry the weight. Do you understand my point there? I do. Okay, all right, so that's, that's the big challenge there. Now, I wanna make a practical argument here. I don't see this as a tax forgiveness plan. I want you to look at it this way. When companies are struggling and companies, small companies in particular or medium sized companies, not micro companies, but medium sized companies in particular and large companies when they struggle, the American government, they have opportunities to bail them out. They have tax abatement programs, they have payment options, they have things that they can maneuver in the system in order to make sure those companies stay afloat. And they get these priority loans if they have enough employees so that those employees do not get fired, right? We call that good economic, a good economic policy. But when it comes to student loan forgiveness, all of a sudden we're looking at it as a social program or handout. But the reality is, according to Bloomberg, if you actually engage in $50,000 student loan forgiveness or higher, 40% of black income, black wealth would increase overnight. 40%, 40, you know what that goes to? Three things primarily. Number one, buying houses. The reason why most millennials, 73% of millennials do not buy houses is because of their student loan debt. That increases immediately, right? Second is discretionary spending. You now will spend more in the general marketplace. And third is entrepreneurship. We have seen a direct correlation based on the data that those who no longer owe student loan debt or their student loan debt has been significantly reduced. They actually get into entrepreneurship and they create jobs for others. So why is it that we continue to make an argument that this is a social handout or a social program when the truth is it's an it's an economic policy that would create an ecosystem that's not only self-sustaining, but revenue generating and profitable in the United States of America. So there's two truths to address. The first is that that um, the poorer students tend to have less student loan debt, it tends to be in the neighborhood of $10,000. Why does it need to be $50,000? It seems like a very high figure that would reward people who went to professional schools that pay them significant amounts of money. This is a bailout for the upper middle class. If we're going to have any kind of student loan forgiveness, it should be limited to those who really need it. 
Now, um, the second item is that just forgiving student loans isn't going to actually change why school is so expensive in the first place. If we look at the cost of tuition, it remained in line with inflation until 1965. That's when President Johnson created subsidized student loans at the private bank level for, for low and middle income individuals. We saw that they replaced their attendance at public universities with private universities. So they were spending a lot more on college while getting pretty much the same degree. And then every time that we've expanded the program, removing income requirements, letting anybody get these federal student loans, we have seen student debt and the cost of tuition skyrocket because schools have no, no reason not to raise their tuition through the roof. There's no reason to control costs. So simply forgiving student loans will do nothing to stop schools from screwing over their students. Now, we got two issues here. One, one, is the forgiveness of student loan debt. And by the way, 75% of people that owe student loan debt, they make under 125,000 a year. So you're not talking about a bunch of real, real wealthy people, okay? But one is the student loan debt forgiveness issue. The other side is the continuing cost of higher education. I agree with you, it costs too damn much to go to college typically, right? But here's the reality. The reality is both of those problems need to be fixed. I wouldn't say we need to ignore this one problem of student loan debt forgiveness. Because we still have this other problem of massive, of, of massive college cost. I say we have to create a parallel system to fix both. So we're not in the same boat 10, 20 years from now of once again having to have the discussion about college loan debt forgiveness. Now you have said in your proclamation that the government is at least in part at fault here, correct? Mostly at fault, they've created- Mostly at fault. Yeah. Good, you agree with me. So if the government is mostly at fault, why is it that you do not want the government to mostly fix it? Because the government is not the taxpayers. The government is at fault, the taxpayers are gonna have to carry the burden. Mm, that's not how this works. That's not how this works. I don't wanna go to war with other countries. But guess what, they use my tax dollars to do it every time, right? I don't they get shouldn't. to say, well, well listen, I, I agree, they shouldn't. They should spend money on domestic programs to help the American worker, help the American student to help Americans. That's where I would like the money to go, not to kill people and blow things up. But it's amazing to me how we have unlimited money to kill people and blow things up. We have unlimited money to go to war. You've never heard someone argue before the United States Congress. It will be great to go to war with Iran, but we don't have it in the budget. Nobody talks about budget until it comes to domestic policy. Don't you find that quite ironic? That it's a fraction of the cost of, of our Department of Justice or our department, excuse me, Department of Defense, a fraction of the cost that would be an incubator for the economy of America if we actually engaged in a thoughtful program, not only to forgive this college debt, which by the way, you admit government's fault, mostly the government's fault that we engage in a thoughtful remedy for that college debt forgiveness and a thoughtful remedy to make sure that we lower the price of overall college. If, if you wanted a pair program where you're giving out limited student loan forgiveness to those making only under you know median American household income who have low amounts of debt, I could, and you paired that with some program to say have tuition be bundled in with your future earnings based on your degree. For example, uh, have you heard of the Purdue Maker Boilermaker program, the University of Purdue? Yep. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, you don't have to pay anything for tuition, and in return, based on the median. Uh, salary or earnings for a few years, you owe them a portion of your earnings. So if you study a very high income field, you might only owe 10% of your earnings. If you have, if you're studying in a low income field, you owe a higher percentage, but you won't have any debt. 
I want to tell you about a move with HBCUs because we're realizing now, I'm an HBCU professor. We're realizing now that the government is not going to do what they keep promising us they will do. And we need HBCUs for multiple reasons, not only cultural, academic, but for scholars. I mean, you're talking about black scholars in the United States of America, historical and modern. They got trained somewhere at an HBCU. We have a vice president of the United States who got her law degree from an HBCU, and the list goes on and on. So Clark Atlanta University. I got my second doctorate from Clark Atlanta University. The president, his name is Dr. French. Dr. French decided to forgive all debt to those who had graduated and still owed the institution. That was a big move. But he realized that a lot of individuals who still owe the school, they cannot get jobs. You know why? Because when you owe a school, you can't get your transcript. You can't get the official copy. When you owe a school, you can't transfer to a graduate program and try to get certified in a particular field, especially in therapeutic arts, right? So he said, we're gonna forgive this because we wanna make sure that we have a strong alumni and that alumni will contribute back to the institution. Morris Brown College, another college, one of the most affordable HBCUs in the United States of America. It only costs 4,000 bucks to go there per semester. That's the equivalent of basically, a state school, right? And actually lower than some state schools. Well, that was by intention. However, most colleges are not at that place to do those things. Or most HBCUs definitely are not. Those are the one-offs, brother. So I get it in theory and some in practice because some are able to do it and live you know, slim on the margins. But for the institutions that are not, there has to be an effective government remedy when we all agree that the government created the problem. But I think that institutions have plenty of money to deal with the problem. Let's look at UC Berkeley, for example. They spend $25 million a year in salaries for their Department of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion. That could pay for the tuition of 2000 low income students. And I think that would do far more to improve diversity in the school than paying these staffers. The money is around. We can make the difference with the money we already have within the school system. Man, you're talking about pennies compared to millions, brother. We're talking about systemic solutions that will only come through massive policy transition. If we don't have a policy directive, yes, some institutions will do good, some will not. Some institutions will fail and it has nothing to do with their curriculum or the quality of education they provide. And I think that has to be part of the narrative or part of the conversation. Do you disagree? I agree, that's why schools should be the ones responsible for issuing debt or determining how tuition is tied to the quality of their education. Let me tell you one point that I would like to make and you may agree with me. Sure. Everybody everybody won't go to college, everybody shouldn't go to college. That's real. I agree. All right, training programs, tech programs, etc. People do very well with those also and I support a number of them in the Atlanta metropolitan area. But I do find it ironic that the American government has a program to give you, I think it's roughly $122,000 to go to college. It's somewhere around there, your, your maximum. They'll give you over 100 grand to go to college, but they won't give you money to be an entrepreneur coming out the gate, right? So they don't have funds allocated for that for you, but they have funds allocated for you to go to college and get this massive debt. Once again, I'm back to the government. The government has an issue with how they created this program. Your solution, in my opinion, punishes colleges who are doing right by the students. Because the only colleges who do not have the massive endowment or the massive budget are the colleges who are not overcharging for their degrees. And if you take away the program that allows 
uh, students who typically do not have access to capital like me. I did not have access to capital, first generational college student. I needed those opportunities in the marketplace available to me through the federal government in order to get educated. I needed that. If you took that away, the colleges that were around me would not have had the resources to school me. Obviously, there could be a transition period where they wouldn't totally be phased out, but in the long run, we do have to recognize that universal student loans are responsible for the tuition increases. If we made them means tested, tuition would raise at, would rise at a far lower rate and you would still have expanded access for families like yours. You don't need to have upper middle class families with gross income over $250,000 taking out hundreds of thousands of dollars of loans for their kids to go to a second tier liberal arts college. Yeah, so yeah. We're back to colleges cost too much money. We not, we do not agree. We not, we do not disagree on that point at all. All right, we agree to that point 100%. Uh, but as I said before, I don't see this as you know a problem here and a problem there. I see this as a hand in glove. We have to fix what the government did by helping co-create massive debt, while at the same time reducing the cost of higher education. And part of that very high cost, brother is the reality of how we do accreditation in the United States. Because accreditation does not come by way of the government, which I believe it should. I think to keep costs low, I think the government should be in the business of accrediting institutions. But instead, they let private companies do it. Well, guess what? The institution has to pay these private companies a lot of money every year or every two years to do what's called an analysis of their ability to continue to be accredited, right? That's money, that's a lot of money. Uh, that goes right. through that scenario because the government has refused to get into that business, which the government has the opportunity to offer it at a lower rate. But guess guess what? Every other industrialized nation does it that way. The UK and everyone else, they get into the direct business of accrediting institutions so that institutions don't have to pay private companies massive amounts of money to do so. But again, that's that's a few million dollars a year per institution. As again, you're you know you're talking about pennies as well. Man, I would say, listen, when I you calculate how much that costs, when when all colleges have to do it, that's billions, brother. That's okay, billions well, of dollars. Let, let me tell you my problem with public accreditation. Okay, um, I would see a future where, depending on who's in control of government, you're going to have schools authorized to be able to teach and give out credentials based on whether or not they're in line with whatever the current elected government approves of. We're but that's already here. Thankfully, it has not happened, at least to the degree that you're talking. It almost happened under Trump, where Trump's education secretary approved some schools that never should have been approved. But remember, the current system says whoever or whatever company, accrediting body, the Department of Education approves that accrediting body is a legitimate accreditor. So you already have the politics involved, brother, is my point. But they tend not to lapse out. If you made, if you made it more conditional on a more yearly basis, you would have a lot, much larger variation in what's allowed to be taught and not allowed to be taught based on politics. I think it's okay to have very conservative campuses. I think it's okay to have very liberal campuses. Yeah, I don't think that would happen to the degree that you're saying because the politics are already involved in it anyway. And we saw a blunder with the Trump administration and the Secretary of Education, where you had Argosy University and other institutions literally went bankrupt overnight, closed down. But when you actually looked at if they should have been offering degrees, probably not. All right, brother, it's always fun having you on the show, man. We actually agree on a lot of things, we disagree on some. Thank you very much for having me on again. It was a pleasure. My pleasure as well.